Welcome to the Human Theatre, a safe space teemed with an abundance of exploration about what it means to be a human in this world. Optimal health is your birthright and should not be a luxury. Knowing how your body works and understanding everything that relates to your human experience comes with the package. My name is Kelsey Buchholter, and I am here to dive deep into all things mental and physical health, longevity, nutrition, human consciousness, creativity, and more. Join me in normalizing the concept of what it means to be a human and the importance of being you. Enjoy the show. Hello humans, my name is Kelsey. I am a singer-songwriter, actor, dancer, nutrition advisor, health coach, and your host. And welcome to the 32nd show housed in the Human Theatre. Firstly, happy, happy, happy new year to you. May it be a year in greater health, consciousness, authenticity, and inner peace. You deserve it all. I have no idea what the future holds, but I know it's going to be exciting. And I am so honored to be right here, right now, with you. We have some very exciting guests coming on the show, and I cannot wait to share them with you. We are starting the new year with a bang. Today's guest has appeared on the show already, episode 11 to be exact, and his name is Ryan Mitchell Brown. Nine years ago, Ryan suffered from anorexia and orthorexia. He went through the standard of care, or as he calls it, weight restoration, but developed binge eating disorder. However, because he was at quote-unquote normal weight, according to BMI, which you know how I feel about BMI as a metric... His eating disorder was ignored. Ryan continued his eating disordered behaviors until his body went into shutdown mode, after which Ryan developed an autoimmune disease, small fiber neuropathy. In a desperate attempt to reclaim his health, Ryan researched his way into functional medicine and healing through a whole food, animal-based diet. As he began to heal himself, he became impassioned to become a recovery coach for others, helping them overcome their mental and physical health obstacles. Ryan and I informally debate the topic, is choosing to eat healthily an eating disorder? Or, another way of putting it, is being health conscious an eating disorder? This is a topic that I, myself, have been debating. I would say that my conclusions are not concrete at all, and some parts of me are rather ambivalent and indecisive. This is why I wanted to dig deep with Ryan, which together we share a lot of the same thoughts and approaches when it comes to helping people reach their fullest potentials in optimal mental and physical health. Moreover, we have both experienced firsthand the ramifications and the experiences of severe eating disorders. I do have to say that right at the end of our conversation, I received a notification that my laptop was about to die, and silly me forgot to bring my charger with me into the room that I was recording in. So I, unfortunately, had to cut things short. This is not at all doom and gloom, as it just means I'll have to bring Ryan on for a part three, and I'm totally game for that. 
I mention a specific podcast episode with Dr. Andrew Huberman and Dr. Chris Palmer in our chat, and I implore each and every one of you to give it a listen. I have put a link to it in the show notes, so please, 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 if you, yourself, or anyone that you know has ever struggled with depression, OCD, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, eating disorders, etc., please listen to this podcast. I feel like every single human in this world needs to listen to this podcast. Before I get on to today's show, I'd like to remind you of your special 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product. Oxford HealthSpan are doing important work in bringing to the market high-quality, effective, bioavailable, and science-backed botanical compounds that harness the body's innate ability to repair, renew, and promote vigorous longevity and increased health span. I interviewed the founder, Leslie Kenny, on episode 6. I highly recommend you give it a listen if you haven't yet done so. So, when you enter Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, all in capitals, as the discount code at checkout, you will receive a 10% discount. A link will be in the show notes. I also want to disclose that the content shared on this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be taken as medical advice. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed medical practitioner. And without further ado, here's my part two friendly debate with Ryan Mitchell Brown. Ryan Mitchell Brown, welcome to the Human Theatre. Hey, thanks for having me again. It's It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, actually. Yes, welcome back. It's our part two of things. Um, yeah, so if, I mean, for the listeners, if you haven't yet listened to our first episode that Ryan and I did, it's episode 11 on the human theater. Um, but yeah, I mean, for starters, where in the world are you currently speaking to us from? No, I'm, uh, I am in the Holy Land, depending on uh, what religion you're prescribed to, of Salt Lake City, Utah, home of the Mormons or the Latter-day Saints. Um, so I'm up in the mountains. It is a brisk, brisk 20 degrees Fahrenheit outside. I uh, can't do the Celsius math in my brain, but it's cold. Neither um, can I. <laughs> that but, is cold. But it's, yeah, but it's beautiful. We had a very white Christmas. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas yourself. Um, I did. Yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. Just kind of been relaxing, uh, taking in, you know, seeing family and stuff like that and just, uh, getting geared up for the new year. So I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so important. Um, well, by the time this episode is released, it will be 2023. But I thought this is such a pertinent time because I feel like as a year ends and a new one starts and like there's goals and goal setting and reflection taking place. And I mean, today's topic is, is choosing to eat healthy considered an eating disorder and also is being health conscious and eating disorder. Um, and I mean, I don't know if you want to maybe, firstly, I mean, do you want to share your Christmas this year? Because I know for a lot of people, you know, Christmas can be quite a triggering time. Mm. Um, family, boundaries. Um, I don't know, maybe if you want to share how your Christmas was and then maybe compare it to previous Christmases. Is there a plural of Christmas? Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm not an English major. But um, <laughs> I, for the sake of for the sake of this podcast, Christmases. Uh, sounds like it, it sounds okay to me. Christmas eye, Christmas eye, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, but anyway, no, I had a very great Christmas, and you know, um, having an eating disorder past, uh, I feel like we have been taught that if you, in a sense, if you don't indulge, that's engaging in eating disorder behavior. 
But I think it's a little more nuanced than that. This year, for me, um, I didn't really splurge. Like I had, um, I was actually at my girlfriend's family for the first time. This is my first Christmas. I was actually not at my at my family's house. We celebrated Christmas with my family the night before on Christmas Eve. And then this is the first year I've had to split Christmases. So it was a new experience for me. Um, but it was fun. So at my Christmas, um, I had a little more control over stuff um, as far as like what we were doing for dinner. Uh, I come from a British background. So we had lamb at my house. I got a really good like grass-fed pasture-raised lamb, leg of lamb. We slow cooked it all day. It melted off the bone. It was great. Mm -hmm. I saved some of the broth for myself later. Um, but uh, I didn't really splurge. I didn't really feel the need to splurge. On Thanksgiving, which was a month ago uh, that we celebrate here in the States, um, I did splurge. I had stuffing, which I hadn't had actual bread, like gluten bread for like man, it must be like four or five years since I've had like actual real stuffing. Um, it was really good. Um, didn't make me feel great <laughs> the day after, but it was fine. I think the, the, the difference is in my mindset now is one, what's your current health status? What are your goals? Um, and do you have a poor relationship with food in general? which at this point in my healing journey, I don't. So for me, splurging one day on Thanksgiving didn't do anything to me mentally. I was able to get back on it the day after and not feel guilty. I think the, the true signs are, do you feel guilty afterwards? Are you shaming yourself afterwards? And if you're doing those things, then you need to assess your relationship with food. Um, those are things that I've had to work on majorly over the last couple of years. That is separate to me from what I think is making healthy choices. And for me, because I do have some autoimmune issues. Like I felt the repercussions of splurging on Thanksgiving the next day. And it wasn't fun, but I didn't like go so overboard that I was out for a week. I tactically splurged. Um, but I didn't really feel the need to do that on Thanksgiving. I feel like, or on Christmas, I feel like there's so much more to these holidays than just the food. And I feel like we spend so much focus on the food in general. And that could be because of marketing or whatever that we've like grown up learning, but it's about spending time with your family and like reconnecting and, you know, giving gifts and, you know, being thankful for, for that time, you know, to rest. And so for me, I just focused, I, I basically on Christmas is a prioritized protein and ate the crap out of ham and, and, uh, and lamb and stuff. So it was, it was a great day. Um, but I didn't really have to think about going into it too strategically. I was just going to kind of let it flow wherever it was going to flow. And then I knew I was going to get back on whatever I was doing before the day after. So it's really where's your mindset at. And I've been in therapy um, just to sort of work on the last little bits of trauma that I think are holding me back from my truest potential. I, I started going back to therapy about two or three months ago. So after our last talk, um, just to kind of get at the last itty bitty gritty bits of uh, self-shaming and various things that I do actively do because I'm not a perfect human. and um, I've really gotten into this this sort of not perfect nirvana state, but I feel very peaceful with where I'm at. And I couldn't tell you that I was peaceful where, where I'm at um, until probably about this last year. Um, and I think that's a very good place to be because if you're coming from a place of an eating disorder or autoimmune disease or both or chronic illness or any of these things, I think it's really easy to self-shame 
and, and focus on, man, I need to get better. I need to do all this stuff to heal. And I've worked with a lot of eating disorder clients, not to ramble, um, but I've worked with a lot of eating disorder clients that they're so focused on healing that they are not giving themselves the mental space to do that because they are not happy with where they're at. And I think that's kind of hard to tell someone, like you need to be happy with where you're at in order to actually create change. And I didn't realize this. So I really started going back to therapy because your mind, if you're in a negative space, will hold you back no matter what you throw at it. Your mind is so powerful. I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday who suffers from CIDP, which is chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. It's a type of neuropathy it attacks the myelin sheath of your nerves. And he's reversed a lot of it through diet. But he's told me that when he is under immense amounts of stress, he will have reactions no matter what diet he is on. He could be going perfect. And if you're under so much psychological stress, like you will start getting skin conditions, like eczema will resurface, all these things. So these are just things that I want to talk about more on top of having a base of good health and stuff like that. But we'll get in all that mindset stuff soon. I But long story short, I, uh, that, was, that was my Christmas. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. You've given us so much to dig so deep into. I cannot wait. Um, I, I just want to briefly touch on like, it's so easy to feel that shame and, and guilt oh, and yeah. just so easy to constantly berate yourself and feel like you're a failure. But I just want to remind people. And I mean, I know I, I don't only speak for myself, but like recovery, i.e. also life and living is non-linear like it is up and it is down and sometimes it's like way up but then it's also like really way down and I really love how you have highlighted in your own self like the ups and the downs are inevitable as we have already like you know finalized I feel like everyone can agree that on that um but it goes back to how quickly you're able to pick yourself back up again um and by the sounds of it, it, that that turnover is a lot quicker in your own day-to-day -day life, emotionally and obviously also physically, because I, I personally think you cannot compartmentalize. You cannot decipher between, you know, the mind and the body are one yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And, but it's not to say as well, because we also have placed these extreme pressures and expectations on ourselves, specifically type A type of personalities mm. who like see themselves that they need to be somewhere and they need to embody recovery. But like, it's also realistic that recovery is <laughs> up and it's down. And I can vouch for that myself. I've had many ups, but I've also had some many downs and things are, I mean, the, the only constant in this world is change. And we, we are, we move through different seasons. And again, it just goes back to having that connection to your core. And this is another point I wanted to, to raise again that you covered right in the beginning, but like being conscious and mindful of where you're at to constantly go back to that and also just know your intentions. So mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. in the past, I would abstain from a certain food out of fear, yes. but now I'm abstaining from a certain food because A, I know how shit I'm going to feel after I've eaten that food. But maybe sometimes I want to feel that, you know, sometimes 
as we will also cover, you know, community and being social is actually more important psychologically mm. than the food that you're actually eating. But like, yeah, I suppose it's just knowing and coming back to your intentions. Are you abstaining or eating this food out of fear? Or are you doing it because you genuinely want to or genuinely don't want to? Um, you know, those two points. I mean, it's just, it's. I know it's so easy to just like berate yourself and feel that guilt. And it's it's such an intense feeling and I'm I'm sure you can you felt it before that that extreme guilt is just the worst. It is. I mean, it's hard because like many that I work with now and through my own journey, I've always wanted this black or white, do this, don't do this, and the thing that sucks about a, like chasing optimal health and all of these things and and being healthy in mind and body is that it's not black and white. I, I have this back and forth with one client in particular, um, just because it's on my mind that it's always he wants this black and white. And I'm trying to trying to break through to him right now that, you know, man, like, I wish it was that easy. I wish I could tell you, like, this is right for you. This is wrong for you. But it's going to be different because of where your mindset's at right now versus where mindset, my mindset is at right now. I may have you do a completely, he, a lot of people will ask me like what I do for blah, 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 or for X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, this is what I do, but I need you to know where you are at physically, mentally could be completely different than me. Um, and so I can't give you X, Y, Z for me. It works for X, Y, Z for you. And it's very hard because I want to give them those answers and they are answers that I've wanted to receive. Um, and it's something that this is where being okay with where you're at comes into play because you have to be okay with not knowing what path may be right. Because I guarantee you, whatever path you choose, you'll achieve certain goals. And then there will certain goals that you wanted to achieve that you'll realize, man, this didn't take me all the way because that's what health is. It's a meandering river. You know, like we were saying, lots of ups and downs. I don't think there's any one direct path. I think we read a lot of things like with Michaela Peterson or, whoever like did carnivore or something and their whole life was changed. And unfortunately it's not going to be like that for everyone. Um, I think it can be powerful. I think you can achieve powerful things with, with those sort of, sort of nutritional, um, nutritional therapies. But I mean, we're all different. We all have different psychological stress. We have different toxin loads. Our buckets are filled to different heights. Um, and this is what I'm getting through to uh, my girlfriend who suffers from dysautonomia is we've been talking a lot of back and forth with this, trying to help figure out what are her triggers and stuff. And they're completely different from mine. So it's 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 one of these things where it's like you got to treat everyone on an individual level, you know, 100 percent. And I've beaten this drum so many times like we are so oh, yeah. bio individual. Our fingerprints is not the same. My fingerprint is not the same as yours. My food, the foods that agree with my body are not the same as yours. Um, and I think, again, it goes back to having that consciousness and confidence in your own bio-individuality in that you could be following some influencer or guru out there, but whatever you know is working for them may not be working for you. We are all so different. And I think that bio-individuality piece and also just being okay is also part of the journey that can hinder a lot of people because it's so easy to compare yourself to, to other people. And also get sucked yeah. up into all the external noise and then just become, at the end of the day, more and more disconnected to mm-hmm. to your authenticity. Yeah. And I do want to add one thing to that before we jump into 
uh, like the topics of like the new year and like health stuff is that I think also knowing those things can create inaction. And I know this because this is my own experience. Um, knowing so many things can sometimes create inaction because you're too scared to start, start something because you don't want a negative result sometimes and this is what i'm doing in january i'm going full carnivore in january because i've i've never done it for 30 days which is like i wish i could have like i've started it before and then i'd fall off because of something or other i've never done it straight and the pure reason i'm doing it is so that i can prove to myself well it's really just jumping a hurdle for me of you know sometimes you have to just commit to something with full faith not knowing if it'll be completely positive or completely negative and just see where it takes you. And that's sort of my challenge this year is to just like sort of take that leap of faith fully and not hold myself back out of fear because that's sort of the final hurdle, especially for a lot of eating disorder people is like that fear can really hold you back from trying anything. And so um, sometimes you have to do the end of one without fully knowing what the result will be and just see and then mm -hmm. adjust. And that's the only way you'll actually make progress. And it's super hard, but it's something that everybody has to do. And it's something that everybody struggles with, including me. So I'm not gonna like pretend like I'm perfect and I can just jump into things without fear of something happening. But sometimes you gotta do it. Yeah, I mean, that also makes me think of like, in general, like with so much noise out there, it's so easy to just continue to get like, almost like not practical and like just you almost become obsessed with learning more and more and more, but it's yep. very well intellectualizing it, but are you actually implementing it into your day-to-day -day life? Like, and also it's so e easy to get too overwhelmed with all the information, like having so many hundreds of tabs open out there, yeah. but then you get lost in like, you have to like almost come, you have to come back and like breathe and like be like, okay, well, what is, what, what is feeling right for me? And obviously only, only you can know that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that you've never really done carnivore, which for those who do not know what carnivore is, it's basically eating your diet just, I mean, well, your diet consists of any animal protein and any animal fat. Um, and within that, there's obviously nuance. Um, and it's, I mean, I don't know if you want to give your definition of what carnivore means to you and why you think carnivore is a useful tool and why you're even considering going carnivore for 30, 30 days? So for me, I've done it, but never past like five days. I'll get like to the end of the week and then it's like the weekend and everybody, cause uh, you gotta, uh, when you're doing it alone, it's really hard. It's even harder. Um, that's why I, that's kind of like why I like being a coach is because a lot of people are doing this, whatever they're trying to achieve alone. So I try to be sort of their friend on this journey and not only help guide them, but sort of be there for them when they're struggling, when other people aren't necessarily following the same belief systems that they have or, or whatnot. For me, um, I'm not going to be like super hella strict and be like, just beef, water, salt, 30 days. Um, I don't think my mind is ready for that. It sounds like a good idea, but I don't think my mind's like there. So I'm going to keep it to like mainly just like all animal products, um, sort of like nose to tail and shell kind of thing. So like seafood, um, some organs in there, nothing crazy. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but for me, I just noticed that I have, um, I still have addictive personalities and I have certain relationships with even like quote health foods that, that I are, are, are less, I don't know, 
I feel like I need them. It's like almost like an addictive urge, you know what I mean? And so one of those things was coffee. Um, and so for me, like stopping that for like 30 days will just help me prove to myself that I'm not a slave to something. I hate the idea of being a slave to something. And it's like that with an ED mindset too, where it's like you're a slave to fear. And so it's, it's sort of different. Um, I actually look at people trying to lose weight and have food addiction issues like sugar and things as a similar mindset, but it's just an opposite problem. It's all like up in here. I mean, a lot of it is, it's a lot of it's like psychological dopamine chasing. Um, and for me, when I was in my eat, like super eating disorder, I got a dopamine hit off of restriction. And for others, they get dopamine hits off of, you know, snacking or binging. And then they do the grief cycle and it repeats and all this stuff. Um, but for me, like I've, I've been talking to a friend of mine about it for a long time. And he was just like, dude, grow some nads, do it for 30 days and then just like come back to me. So, you know, it's more of just a reset. And I just want to, I just want to reset anything that's going on in my gut and all that stuff and just sort of have like a, no, just like a reset. It's just, yeah. it's just a mental thing, yeah. but it's just just one of those things, you know what I mean? And I think just to reiterate that like animal meats, specifically ruminant meats, is like the least hyperallergenic food out there. Like mm -hmm. it, it is the, <laughs> the last food to trigger any autoimmune symptoms or any depression symptoms. It's like, <laughs> for the lack of a better word, this is a, this is a crude word to use, but it's quote unquote the cleanest food in that it doesn't come with anti-nutrients. It doesn't come with inflammatory well for the most part most I, I think i'm just specifically speaking about ruminant meat so beef and lamb specifically mm -hmm. um so and that's why um ryan is saying that it's almost like a reset it's like to clear the system of any other foods or things that could be triggering any last bit of inflammation within ryan's body whilst simultaneously nourishing the body with the most bioavailable nutrients and also the most basic essential nutrients, essential fatty acids and essential amino acids that our bodies need. So that's just a little bit of a, this is why carnivore exists and people have healed from it. So on that carnivore point though, um, I have been on carnivore for 2023 will be my, my fifth year. And Congrats. yeah. And I mean, obviously my, my diet has completely evolved and changed now. I have, I mean, I've never given up coffee so I haven't like That's been fully, <laughs> yeah, I haven't been fully strict. And I mean, I have tea, I've had tea and coffee all along, but like, I just want to share a bit about that because I haven't really spoken about like the food journey. And I mean, the food piece is a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, I was in standard of care for years, like so many years, as I've mentioned previously, going to different specialist physicians and being in hospitals and different clinics and going to different eating disorder clinics and whatever and I was traumatized each and every time like I was even I was more and more traumatized by the standard of care so this is on the very high level the standard of care you're an inpatient um there's obviously a whole lot of things you're monitored 24 hours um anyway long story short just in terms of the nutrition piece it's you know a common school of thought in the traditional eating disorder recovery space that there should be no fear food and I was bombarded with junk food left right and center um and I, I understand that i really do understand it because like you know slowly being exposed to your fear technically should help you overcome that fear and it does work it does work for certain people however 
And this is why I believe that anorexia, for example, has the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric disease. It doesn't work acutely. When someone is in such a dire state, like I, I swear I've never felt so close to dying in my life than when I was when I was severely anorexic. I cannot explain the intensity of anxiety I felt. My life was basically I was living in a state of hysteria. If I wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping at night, I was awake but crying, but like no tears were coming. I was just like screaming. Like I, I just it was yeah. cr- it was it was crazy. And I mean obviously my parents back you know in that time like we were just trying to do the best that we could and what do you do you just go to the professionals you go to the psychiatrist you go to the psychologist you go to the doctors and they all just put you in a clinic but anyway long story short every time I went to a clinic I left feeling more and more traumatized and I mean I commend you for going back to therapy I I also feel like I have that last little bit of trauma I actually haven't dealt with the trauma that I have had that I experienced I get that I didn't do it for a long time yeah, I haven't dealt with it and I haven't really even spoken about it to my parents. And I mean, I haven't even spoken it out. It's something that I do need to give myself that to like process that trauma. Anyway, um, lo- going back to carnival, because the thing that actually healed my, my, re- my, my recovery, my actual recovery has been so unconventional <laughs> yeah. because it's incorporated what people think is the most restrictive diet as well as intermittent fasting. And yeah. I've needed that though. I've needed that for four plus years to be able to be in a space now where I I have never felt this strong before. And my point that I want to bring here is that A, the standard of care failed me many, many times. Um, B, the power of nutrition and what I can do. And C, specifically on the nutrition point, I am of the opinion right now, and this is going back to the topic of is choosing to eat healthy considered an eating disorder, not only eating disorder specific, like mentally, if you're in a severely bad space, I mean, not even mentally, not even with like a psychiatric illness or whatever, even if it's any physiological ailment or whatever, if you're struggling right now, one of the lowest hanging fruit that you can utilize is the power of nutrition. And what I really want to bring home is that, like, in if if I knew then what I know now, I I would have um, gotten myself. I needed to stabilize myself, and the only way to do that for me actually was eating the most essential amino acids and essential fatty acids and I'm going around in circles. I'm trying to consolidate this, and there's so much going through my head. I can't articulate. Well, but, I get you. I get you. <laughs> um, before before I go to the facing the fear foods, like I needed to be stabilized first. Like I was already in a state of, like as I mentioned, hysteria, and I was so 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 sick that the worst thing to do in that time was to just force me to eat like my the fear foods and a whole lot of junk food. Like firstly, what that does to my blood sugar levels, and like secondly, my gut. And like, Mm. just then poor quality sleep and then all the things like, I'm not disagreeing that that is part of recovery specifically for someone with anorexia. I'm not refuting that, but what I'm trying to say is that I've needed carnivore to get me to the point now where at the moment I know that I need to face my fear foods and I'm actually wanting to and able to do so. So I think 
what I'm trying to say is if in my dream world of like the quote unquote perfect eating disorder clinic, it would actually first not only own, actually not only only eating disorder, but any psychiatric clinic stabilize the patient with optimal nutrition, because that has more of an effect and a sustainable effect than over medicating them, which comes with the most severe side effects. And then they just stay. 100%. Do you know 100%. what I mean? Yeah. Well, what I was going to add to that is like, and this is what I wish I had explained to me. Like if I, one of my traumas that I had to overcome, less so trauma, but one of the things, one of my goals through therapy was to be able to like psychologically, hypothetically, go and give my 18 year old self a hug and tell him that it would be okay. Because for the longest time, even though I have made so many strides with my mental health, physical health, through dietary intervention and animal-based diets and stuff like that over the last two, three years, um, I still could not forgive myself for what I thought was inducing my own anorexia. Like I did it to myself is what I would say to myself all the time. But what I had to figure, like, realize was that, you know, I was just doing my best mm. at the time due to all these other traumas that I've had to work through that led to my anorexia. And I just had to give myself a hug and say, you know what, man, you're doing your best and I love you and it'll be okay. And I couldn't do that. And I cried like so many times just like thinking about this. And like you're talking about talking to your parents about your traumas. One of the, the, the trigger for me to go back to therapy was I was talking to them about it and they just have to no fault of their own, th this complete inability to relate to how I feel. Like they straight up said to me, looked me in the eyes and they're like, well, um, cause basically I was telling them I was struggling with like, just like forgiving myself, like for years ago and I was feeling bad. She's like, well, you know, you just got to choose to be happy and blah, 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 blah. And all this stuff. And it's just like, I was just like, what? Happiness in my opinion is a choice to an extent, but if you can't be happy with yourself, like, or you have self-shame, like it's impossible to be happy in a moment. So um, sometimes like for me, I had to just, I, I had to just really forgive them for just not being able to understand and just realize that that's how it's going to be. And that I shouldn't go out of my way to try and make them understand how I feel because you can't understand it without experiencing the depths of hell that you and I have been through going into inpatient or whatever. Like it's, it's just, the trauma from that is something like I can never imagine without having been through it. Um, and so th that was a big part for me. But like you said, the ideal world is like when you've ravaged your body so extremely through deprivation of nutrition, through anorexia and restriction and all these things, the best thing you can do is give yourself the most bioavailable foods to rebuild because you can feed yourself calories and you'll gain weight. But if you are not getting enough B vitamins to create the neurotransmitters in your gut that you properly need to think logically, which by the way, you're not doing when you're in an anorexic state, it's impossible. Um, and that's why I had to forgive myself too, is because like, I was just not, I could not think coherently. It was just something I could not do. But if you don't feed yourself the right amino acids and like the vitamins and minerals to like allow your body to create these things, you can't heal. And you can't achieve that through standard of care because they just want you to eat cake and cookies and bullshit, which I think to an extent has value, like you mentioned for fear foods, but it has no physical or mental value beyond the fear. And if you can't think coherently, you're never going to get over that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's why I've been so ambivalent about this because obviously I'm very 
well aware of the eating disorder space and how there should be no fear food. And like I've been ambivalent because I mean, carnivore is, as I said, like <laughs> looked at as the most restrictive diet when actually, right. I mean, this is how our human species evolved. Um, also, it looks restrictive because you're actually just eating whole foods and then you're mitigating all the hundreds of other processed foods out there. So for people, it does look restrictive if it's just meat. But like if you think about it naturally, that's what we would actually find back in wow. the day. Um, yeah. But I, I think it goes to this abstainer versus moderator discussion topic oh yeah and i i think we should speak about this because a lot of people just say oh you should just eat a balanced diet like just eat everything in moderation type of thing you get two kinds of people you can get people who can do that like my father and my brothers and then you get people like me and i'm assuming you too who cannot do that like i i am totally an abstainer it is much easier for me psychologically to abstain then like try and force myself to moderate something because that's going to be a disaster. I'm just going to binge on it. Like, yep. and I think that was such a huge, also when, when I explained that to my parents as well, that really helped them understand where I was coming from because obviously right in the beginning of, you know, me coming home, telling my parents, I'm just going to be eating eggs and meat and olive oil because mm-hmm. I did start off with olive oil because it was a bit more gentle on my gut. Um, they were like, this is another eating disorder. This is another eating disorder. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're not allowing you this. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill yourself with heart disease, all these things. But then when I explained the abstainer versus moderator thing, they were actually like, oh. And then it went deeper into being like, but also I'm also eating the most highly nutritious foods out there. So I don't know if you want to comment. Well, yeah, it's actually really interesting because I've explained that to my parents too. And actually, like I was telling them about me doing carnivore in January and they're like, yeah, go for it, man. Give it a shot. Um, it's really amazing to see like how far through um, what I've done, you know, talking to other people and and doing stuff in the space and like shared with them how open minded they are overall um, to to some of that. I think you're right. I mean, uh, Judy Cho, who is a great uh, nutritional therapist on Instagram and YouTube, talked about abstainer versus uh, moderator mindsets before. My mom's a moderator. My brother's a moderator. To me, I've always been an addictive behaviorist and and abstainer. Um, I go zero to a hundred. I think that goes into type A's as well, um, personality types yeah. and stuff like that. But um, there are just certain things like, man, it's like, and that's also for me, like with the coffee thing is like, if I, I love coffee, I think it's amazing. And I think there's better quality coffees than other qualities of coffees. But for me, the one of the reasons I want to abstain from it for the 30 days is because I have this relationship of, I have to have it. Mm. It's like an addictive impulse. Um, and I don't like that. I don't like that. I feel that way. I don't shame myself for it afterwards, but I just don't like, I don't like the feeling of having to have something. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Um, and so for me, it's just like a, it's, it's sort of like dopamine fasting, fasting from social media. And like, it, for me, it's always hitting, searching dopamine hits. I think there's something um, in, in that behavior for people like us who are abstainers where when we get on something, it triggers a dopamine hit and we just need to go and do it again or keep doing it. Um, and I think at some point evolutionarily, that would have been a benefit to us. Yeah. Um, but in today's modern you know, environment where we have access to everything all the time, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that's what people don't get. Um, we're so into the now and into all the stuff that we, we, we don't realize that over the last 150 years or even 50 years, or probably 75 years, 
the amount of technological leaps and the way we've changed the food system since our biological clock. Um, yeah, I mean, we we haven't evolved with the amount of things we've created. Like the, the we're we're not set to be in this environment, and I don't think people get that. Um, and it's if you really yeah. just think about it, none of what we do makes sense. No, and our bodies can't keep up with it, and that's why we're having these mental health crises. And all of these things is it's not an underdiagnosis problem. It's an environmental shift problem that our biology can't handle and are and we're reacting to it. And so, but yeah, that's sorry, that's rambling again. No, but, I mean, uh, I couldn't I, I totally agree with you. We are the same physiological beings as our hunter-gatherer ancestors. And I mean, you just have to look at the state of the world, you know, physiologically to see that things are clearly not not okay like we're not we're not the healthiest we've ever been I mean quite the opposite literally but anyway that's another maybe that could be part three um another brilliant episode that I feel like I just want to share a resource for people is I don't know if you listened to it but recently Dr. Chris Palmer was interviewed on Andrew Huberman's oh yeah yeah show and I think I could not articulate in fact Chris Palmer was one of my biggest influences in actually getting me to choose to nourish my body with high fats and high protein um chris yeah he's a harvard um psychiatrist for those who do not know of him i will link this episode in the show notes and i really if you are struggling yourself or if you know of anyone struggling please 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 listen to this episode it is chris palmer articulates the science behind why something like fat and protein and just choosing a diet that is, you know, species appropriate will and does more wonders and powerful, sustainable wonders than medication alone. Um, please, please, for like, yeah, I'm not going to, I can reiterate this until I'm blue in the face, but I will link the link in the show notes. It's a very important episode for everyone to listen to. Um, but going back to, again, like our theme of is choosing to eat healthy and eating disorder. Um, I think the first sort of question that I asked myself is like not a question but something that I contemplated is that if you if you understand that food is information for the body in that whatever you eat sends different signals to the body and it's either information that the body can understand i.e. a real whole food that comes with no ingredient list no added preservatives or sweeteners or chemicals so it's like found in nature versus like a ultra processed (laughs) highly refined food that the latter, so the ultra-processed refined food, is information that our bodies don't understand. So when you look at it like that, like I don't necessarily consider these processed foods as food. So that's like my f- and they didn't ex- they didn't exist before a hundred some years ago. Yes. So that's that's like my first sort of point that I lull over when I think when I ask myself like is even being health conscious and eating healthy food considered an eating disorder so in that regard no um again i think it goes back to your intentions as well because yeah yeah, i think that's another point the second sort of point that i go to i suppose i'm just speaking out my thought process um but yeah actually first what what do you think about when you get asked like is choosing to eat healthy and eating disorder is being health conscious an eating disorder So again, it's like one of those not black and white answers. Um, it's a little more black and white. I think I think we could just say straight up no. Um, <laughs> but 
like I said, working with clients, I've worked with a lot of people who are, are well, I'm really thinking about like five or six in particular that are, that are in our space, have discovered this sort of animal-based way of eating and still have massive eating disorder tendencies where they fear getting fat, they fear not being able to exercise, they fear um, over-consuming. And you know, for me, when I shifted to animal-based, to get over that aspect of that part of the fear, I just kind of ate, I, I basically removed everything. I abstained from like weighing myself, I abstained from counting calories, and I just ate the foods I knew were the most bioavailable and nutrient-dense, animal foods, basically. And then I also had like, frankly, some vegetables because for some reason, I freaking love baked Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. If you do it like with, and then you put butter on it after, it's like, it's literally the greatest thing ever. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. A lot of people hate Brussels sprouts. I love them. I but, like um, them. But um, the way I've shifted it to now is like you said, it firstly, it has to be intention. And I think a real, a real quick way to find out if, if your mindset is sound is to really go into how much are you obsessing over it? Because mm -hmm. the beauty of carnivore and animal-based, in my opinion, is that it removed a lot of the think work. It's like, hey, these are the most nutrient-dense foods, eat them. And then actually, if you just let your body tell you and you listen to your body and listen to the signals, you'll be full. I've been uh, kind of back on the liver train a little bit because I haven't had liver in probably a year. Um, so I got some grass-fed liver for like $4, cheap as heck. You don't need the weird pill things that cost $70. You have to take six pills a day and it's like half an ounce of liver. It makes no sense to me. Um, but I, I started eating like, I was like, oh, you know, I'll eat. I, I had a pound and I was like, I'll kind of shift it up over the next like month. I'll eat like so much a week. And I would, uh, I cooked like a four ounce piece one day and I was going to eat the whole thing. And I ate like half of it. I was stuffed. And that's just purely from the nutrient density of liver. And when you give yourself the proper nutrition, your body will seek out the amount of nutrition it needs. Um, but when you're coming from a severely restricted state, I'm going to tell you straight up, bro, you need to eat more than that. Like you got to force yourself. Your stomach is shrunk, blah, 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 all this stuff. You got to push yourself a little bit. And I think that fear factor of it is really difficult for people. And so you really need to watch, I think, how much of your day is spent still focusing around food. Because I'm sure you thought you were like this too, but I used to think 80% of my thoughts were probably centered around food every single day when mm -hmm. I was at my worst, no matter what way of eating I was trying to do. And so I think intention's a huge aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just uh, you've brought up so many things. I think one thing also that I just want to iterate with my carnivore experience is that for the first mm -hmm. time, when I was, when I went to that initial nutritionist appointment, who basically, I mean, she saved my life pretty much because carnivore was the first, the only thing that ever got me to eat and want to actually want to eat food again. Um, in that appointment, I was told that for the next 10 days, just 10 days, I'm going to eat only eggs, red meat, and olive oil. Oh, and, <laughs> right? Literally. And literally when she spoke those words, it was like this light switch flicked off in my brain and like, because I've I've been asked many times, well, isn't this carnival thing an eating disorder, Kelsey? And oh, I would I would beg to, I would like, it's liberated me. 
it's given me my life back and more. And to be hindered by anxiety and to be so severely anorexic was actually more restrictive to me living my life than actually nourishing myself with the foods that have now given, firstly, stabilized me, given me the energy to choose and want to choose to live. And secondly, actually have the energy to work on my mental health. And I, 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 I often refer to Dr. Daniel Amen's analogy of the hardware and software analogy. So if you liken your body to a computer, your body, your physiology is the hardware and the, like the, the, your, men, your psychology is the software. And I mean, Dr. Daniel Amen's approach, and he's also a psychiatrist, um, another great resource, guys. Um, his approach is almost like reverse engineering your mental health. Mm. So he, you can't fix your software if your hardware is not functioning properly. I.e., nutrition, again, being the most profoundly powerful intervention and lever that you can pull before you start any medication. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on antidepressants, but well, they... yeah, that was that was one thing I was gonna. I was going to mention, I think it's because I probably mentioned it in the first one we did, but I was on, I was on Lexapro, Clonopin, Xanax. Um, they wanted me on Gabapentin. I never took that one, but I, I've been able to get off all medication going animal-based over the last Same. like three years. So it's profound. Yeah. And I mean, those medications, I don't know about you, but I, I had the most well, severe, was terrible. Was terrible. <laughs> severe side effects. I remember like if I had forgotten to take in a pull one day, I, I was actually, I was on a tour in Israel and we were going on a hike up the Masada mountain and I forgot to take my pull that day. I literally nearly fell off the mountain. I lost yeah. all coordination in my body. It was, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. And, oh, the metabolic side effects them, as well. And some of them create like um, nearly permanent like psychological chains to your neurochemistry in your brain. Like gabapentin will change your neurochemistry in your brain. Um, that's why I never took it. I took uh, I I took the prescription because um, when I got neuropathy, autoimmune neuropathy, I wanted to potentially. This was like early on when I before I discovered dye and stuff. I wanted to get to the point where I could get something called IVIG, which is intravenous immunoglobulin, globulin, mm. which is like an actual thing that people make. So it's not really a drug. But in order to get to that state to where insurance would cover a $10,000 a month drug, I had to try every single drug oh my gosh. to do it. And so I would just like go and get it and not take it. And I'd be like, oh, it didn't work. So give me the next one. And then mm. I, I, my plan was just go through all of them. But then I discovered yeah. this stuff changed my life. Yeah. But, so the, yeah. I was just thinking like for those who think that whatever you put in your mouth doesn't actually make a difference to your mm. current state of health, like you can take a just a, something as basic as a panada or a paracetamol and your headache will go away. Like that is a minuscule mm -hmm. little tablet that has the most profound side effect. Of course, the food that are that's coming in pounds or kilograms of food that you eat in a day, of course, it's going to have an effect on your body. Like it, it how can it's it wild. not? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, also, I get, yeah. No, what were you saying? No, I was going to say, like, medication, there have been, there are always exceptions to the rule. Like, people, a lot of people have benefited from medication and bless them. Like, like you know, don't change something if it's working. Do you know what I mean? But I think yes. if you are someone who's continuously just been or struggling, I mean, just struggling with side effects of these medications and not necessarily experiencing any relief, again, go listen to that Chris Palmer, Dr. Andrew Huberman episode, please. But like, 
it could be something as powerful as food that could actually, as Ryan and I have experienced, get you off of, of that medication. I'll tell you something that's really interesting too, is like, um, for instance, bipolar disorder, one of the most, uh, one of the most successful medications for bipolar disorder is actually a mineral called lithium. It's not even a medication, but it's like, it's like the most effective drug for bipolar. It's a mineral. It's like a mineral deficiency these guys have. So it's insane to me because people will, and it's just, it's just crazy. So it's like, that's, that's the profound nature of of diet and nutrition is like mm-hmm. getting these minerals and, and vitamins is like imperative for every, every mental state. Yeah. Um, and so I can't, I get, I just can't tell you how frustrated I get with people that tell me like, you know, I just, I was born with X, Y, Z, depression, anxiety. I'm just like, what? no, I'm just like, like put down the donut, please. Like, no. let's talk. It's, yeah. it's, and it, I feel for them because we live in a culture now where I don't feel like I can straight up come at them and be like, Hey, um, this food thing, X, Y, Z, like profoundly changed whatever, because we live in this, um, a culture of like acceptance, which I think is great, but there's a limit to it to where I feel like, I don't know, it's weird. I don't know. It's yeah. a whole nother topic for another day. I know. I just, this, I mean, it just breaks my heart to like, see people take on these quote unquote diagnoses and these labels when yes, that's me. no yeah. one is broken, no one literally no one is broken that whole theory of you have a chemical imbalance firstly has been completely refuted like you don't have a xanax deficiency you don't have a zoloft deficiency you are not broken like as dr dan this is why i love um the analogy of the hardware and software software analogy is that like there's biological mechanisms behind you know like you're firstly there's there's many factors there's environmental factors as you've already covered like environmental factors and things that are external from us traumas all those things but also biologically speaking like if you can just decrease that inflammation and the only way to do so is to remove the triggers and specifically the triggers are usually the vegetable oils the seed oils the highly refined processed foods the sugar the gluten the wheat like for people, coffee and tea even, but that's another nuanced extreme that we won't go into. Um, really, what I'm trying to say is you can't go wrong with eliminating the vegetable oils and the sugar and the alcohol and like the gluten. Um, and first try that before you just go on to another medication and just put another Band-Aid over the yeah. thing. Um, and I think it just breaks my heart to see so many people suffering. Like I've seen in my own like in my own family and friends i've seen so many people die and take their lives and it's like it's like it just breaks my heart because your body firstly you're not broken there's nothing wrong with you you're just merely responding to your perceived reality and your biology is just responding to whatever it's then you know you've ingested and it's not your fault it's not your fault there's nothing wrong with you but it's like it just yeah i mean (laughs) Too many people are suffering and I just can't not speak out about something so so fundamentally basic and and powerful. Just so powerful. Not one, no doctor or psychiatrist or specialist that I've paid thousands of rands Mm -hmm. to see. No one asked me what I was eating. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I've I've literally seen the top doctors in the US for, for some of my autoimmune illnesses, traveled the country. And not one of them brought up diet to me ever. They never asked me what I was eating. Not one of them. I went to a top endocrinologist in Cape Town, supposedly in South Africa. 
And I said to her, I told her I'm on carnivore, I'm eating meat and fats. And she's like, oh, it actually doesn't matter. Your thyroid has, I mean, it doesn't matter what food you eat. You can eat whatever you want to eat. So weird. It's so weird to Our me. cells are literally made up of the food that we eat. Our organs are yeah. made up of the food that we eat. Like cardiologists don't even know this. Our heart is made up of the food that we eat. I think the funniest thing I've ever seen lately is on TikTok. Um, TikTok cardiologists who are defending seed oils as, as anti-inflammatory are the funniest things I've ever seen at all. They completely ignore human evolution as a thing. It's like, or people defending like diet soda. I'm like, one, what, I'm like, if you need diet soda to like feel your full self, like that in and of itself is a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. like drink some milk, <laughs> you know? Um, it's just interesting. A lot of it, I, I mean, a lot of it I've come back to is like this psychological stuff. And just like, if you're not giving your body what it needs, like you're just not thinking straight at yeah, all. Yeah, that's exactly um, it. That's exactly it. That's why it, I feel like whenever I hear news about politicians and politics and war, I'm like, they're just probably so malnourished. They're not thinking oh, straight. I've seen Congress. They don't, <laughs> I'm convinced. They don't I mean, yeah. the, not, the Nazis, they were very much vegan, vegetarian. Um, mm -hmm. they, they thought that meat was like the devil and that was dirty and they couldn't eat it. It wasn't clean. Yeah. I think I, I think Hitler was famous the vegetarian, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he, he only liked desserts, apparently. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. He, he also was on cocaine, but <laughs> I, I can't, I don't know. I haven't seen that research, but <laughs> yeah, I think it was actually, well, it was something like methamphetamines or something like oh, that. Oh gosh. Um, but they, but they were getting, uh, that's a whole nother story, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. So I think, I mean, in summation type of, I feel like this can be, we can be speaking for hours, but like it's choosing to be health conscious and eating disorder. No. Because you have a birthright to optimal health and well-being. But, and this is the caveat, what are your intentions? Where is your psychology behind the things that you're doing? Are you obsessing? Are you doing it out of fear? Um, if so, okay, cool. You can eat healthy for sure. In fact, I, I encourage you to stabilize yourself mentally to get to the point where then you're able to deal with your fears. And this is where I'm at at the moment. I am at the place where I mentally now seeing that it's actually because as i said my recovery has been so unconventional <laughs> so unconventional and i personally feel that i because i did i completely bypassed the eat your fear food type of you know as a, only in the time that i was in like an eating disorder clinic did i actually have to eat those those refined processed foods but i'm like in a place now where that 80 20 rule is a lot more actionable and actually practical for me to do and I feel like carnivore has saved my life given given me my life back and more but I'm in a space now where I'm I know it's very important for me and it's not that I'm going to go binge on all these processed foods it's, I'm just choosing you know if I'm out at a social gathering I'm like now mentally okay to be like I'm going to eat whatever is there and it's a processed food yeah but I'm doing this I'm consciously I know that I know I know that this is not even food it's not going to kill me to have this once. Um, and like for me, that's huge. That mental shift is huge because I just avoided it for like yeah. my whole life because that was out of fear. But now it's like I know that I need to do this for my own recovery. And it's like I know that I'm always going to go back to eating an animal-based whole foods diet anyway. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with that 80-20 rule as well. And I think what I want to just highlight is that it's possible to get there. And I think that the most powerful way to stabilize yourself mentally and physiologically is through nutrition, 
alone. And I, I can't. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I haven't this, heard one anecdote where no one has benefited from removing those highly ultra refined processed foods and actually begin to take ownership of their health via actionable lifestyle interventions. Mm-hmm. I just want to, this last thing I'll say is like, as an action statement, one thing you can do right now, if you're contemplating, like, where are you at currently mentally with all of this and your journey and really reflecting in this new year kind of time period is that one, if you were tomorrow to, let's say at a Christmas or well, it's after Christmas at, at like a holiday party or an event splurge, how would you feel immediately after? Would it cause a binge? Would it cause an extreme restriction? Would it cause guilt and shaming? If any of those answers are yes, then in my opinion, you should focus on eating whole animal-based nutrient-dense foods until you get to that you know, mental place of being able to get back on track. Because if you can't get back on track, then doing any of this sort of uh, testing with um, no-no foods or whatever you want to call them will serve you zero benefit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Ryan, where can people find you on social media yeah. and all the things? Totally. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Ketosis Ryan. You can find me on Instagram at Ryan Mitchell Brown, Facebook Ryan Mitchell Brown, YouTube Ryan Mitchell Brown. Uh, just my name and you'll find me. That was very abrupt. But my battery is about to die and I do not Pretty have good. my charger in this room and I'm freaking out. I do not want this to, <laughs> to stop it. Ryan, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We are going to have to do it around three. I mean, our previous episode has gotten the most amazing feedback and it's really, really helped people. So I think the more that we can speak out about this, the the better, I think. would love to. Thanks thank again. You. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Sending all the love always. You too. Some food for thought, some open thought experiments, and I hope you learned something new. Please let us know your thoughts on such a topic, and if you have any thoughts yourself, please do share them with us. We would love to know. This isn't an easy, clear-cut topic to discuss, and of course, we are all N of Ones. We are all bio-individual beings with our unique biological makeup. What works for me may not work for you. But I do believe that reverse engineering mental health, i.e. Dr. Daniel Amen's hardware-software analogy, is one of the lowest hanging fruit to pick and should be implemented into the standard of care. I have seen too many people reclaim their lives, stop taking medications and actually build the internal resilience that we were all born with to overcome adversity simply by eating a whole foods, species-appropriate diet that includes the most bioavailable sources of nutrients. And I've experienced it myself. And it makes sense when you think that we are literally made up of the food that we ingest. If we can eat in a way that optimizes the health of our cells our basic building blocks, it makes sense how food alone can have a profound therapeutic effect on our health. As Benazadi says, our bodies have the ability to heal themselves. All we have to do is remove the triggers. If you think of anyone who would benefit from hearing this episode, please share, share, share. Sharing, liking, leaving up to a five-star rating and review are the lifelines of any podcast and helps grow the show, making it more accessible to more people. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Andrew Huberman interview Dr. Chris Palmer. There is a link in the show notes. Please listen to this. Don't forget about your special 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product when you enter Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, as the discount code at checkout. A link will be in the show notes.
And until next time, stay safe, stay real. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Human Theatre. I hope you learned something new. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and give a rating or a review on whatever app you are listening to this podcast on. I would love to hear your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram or via email. All the links are in the show notes. Remember, you are your most important person in this world. Keep shining your unique light. Until next time.